0: And we're back with another episode of Sims Complete. I'm your host, Matthew Sims, alongside my co-host. Yeah, Phil Sims is not here again today. This is maybe the third or fourth time that he's missed this year, so we really appreciate his ded- dedication, his discipline. Uh, you know, to obviously the greater cause here at Sims Complete and being a part of this team. Uh, big Phil Diva, the man himself, is out there in Las Vegas right now probably telling some giant stories about when they were in the Super Bowl, all that kind of jazz. We're actually going to call Big Phil and FaceTime him. He has no idea that we're going to FaceTime him. We're going to call him uh, live here on the show and see what's going on. The guy seems to be having a few issues there in his hotel room. Of course, uh, Big Phil is not super tech savvy, and it seems that he can't get the televisions to work correctly in his hotel room. So we'll see what that's all about. We'll also get his pick, too, as well. Uh, I am currently four games up on him. Uh, last week, he went 1-1, one and one, I went 0-2 oh in the conference championships, and uh, we'll see what he says as far as the point spread for our uh, Super Bowl pick here, whether or not we'll go with an actual score to see who's closer, if we both say, uh, pick the same team, so we'll see what he says, but uh, since he isn't here, it's actually even a better time for me to show this on YouTube, right, and also those listening at home, right, uh, just kind of how important Super Bowl week is for the individuals that are taking place in it the players themselves but obviously too just the players parents the players you know guardians the people that looked after them aunts uncles you know grandmas grandpas you know sisters brothers everything just the huge influence that these players have on their entire families lives is so important and then obviously the result of the game and how much of an implication that can have on everyone's life. And, you know, Big Phil uh, is a hero to so many Giants fans because he was a part of a team that brought the Giants their first Super Bowl in 50 years and the first one in the modern Super Bowl era, of course, too. And that really did change his life personally. Uh, The way that, obviously, so many people viewed his career, which at that point had been kind of a journeyman's career of battling injury, going through tremendous adversities personally uh, on the field, you know, and and staying healthy and proving, too, that he was worthy of a first-round draft pick. And uh, the the Super Bowl that he had in 1986 against the Denver Broncos – was uh, at the Rose Bowl, which to me was so pre- uh, special for me to be there uh, just this past year to see Michigan versus Alabama. To be in the place where my father essentially had the game of his life, the best game that a quarterback has ever played in the history of the Super Bowl, and to be there in that in that same stadium, you know, was a very powerful moment for me. All those years later, I like to tell everybody too. Uh, you know, they always ask me, "Were were you there when your father?" won the Super Bowl, I said, no. I I like to think, well, I was there in in a certain sense, you know. But I like to also tell people that, uh, you know, after he won the Super Bowl MVP, he was like, hey, Diana, why not? Let's have another kid. I'm the man. I'm on the top of the world. Let's have number three. So I like to think that I was the result of that Super Bowl MVP for a lot of ways, too, to kind of put that that cap on the season. Uh, No pun intended there. So, um, you know, just want to show this little clip right here. This was tweeted out, uh, you know, Giants videos the other day. And it's just discussing, too, just Big Phil 37 years ago today. Now, this was January 25th. The Giants defeated the Broncos. And uh, it was 39-20, the Super Bowl, uh, the first in their Super Bowl franchise history, right? And then Phil Sims obviously, 22-25 for 268 yards, three TDs, winning the MVP, and I think the cool thing too about that stat is that he had two drops in the game, which is pretty crazy. So he went 22 of 25 with two drops in the damn game for 268, three touchdowns, won the MVP, and uh, you you can say that almost the the Rose is like a symbol of of the Sims family in a lot of ways because of his performance there that day against the Denver Broncos and and John Elway of course, right? Who was uh, at that moment just kind of you know, the 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 best quarterback in the league, you know, and for my father to outperform him that day uh, and to really be the guy on such a huge field and a huge moment of his life personally and our family's life is really just – it's really uh, amazing to kind of reflect on that too and just the importance of that, you know, and, and how difficult it is to play on just any given Sunday, right? and to be a pro, but then to put it all together in that moment, like the way that he did, I think is just super special, and Big Phil, uh, damn, he looks good there, double sticks there in the old Giants uniforms, I love those uniforms, and it it just, uh, it's pretty awesome, it's pretty awesome, so I love my father and what he's done, and obviously when I was a younger teenager, uh, he couldn't tell me shit, but as I grow older, man, he, he instilled a lot of great lessons in me, and um, uh, of course, a lot of those are extension to of Bill Parcells and his years with the Giants, too. But uh, Big Phil, kudos to him and him balling out the way that he did on that day. And also another, you know, uh, he- heroic performance that day, too, is Carl Banks. Carl Banks in that game, I think, tallied up maybe close to 18 or 19 total tackles on the day was a big part, too, of that goal line stand early in the game, too, against John Elway and the Denver Broncos. And he's another gentleman that, you know, unless Big Phil doesn't have the day that he had here, probably would have been the MVP himself, a defensive MVP, which doesn't happen often in the NFL. But he had a phenomenal game. Carl is an awesome person. And uh, still does a lot of work here with the Giants. Had a, was honored too to hang out with him for training camp this year with Bob Papa and Carl Banks uh, as they were doing some stuff for the New York Giants and talking with him. And such a good dude, what he does for football, what he does outside of football too. Um, and he's a guy, too, that is just an absolute Hall of Famer and an underrated football player. So Carl Banks, Big Phil, you know, even though they're they're superstars here in this New York area, they're still uh, tremendous underdogs, I feel like, in the grand history of the NFL and, and what, it, what it really means to be an NFL football player. Um, so I just wanted to show some love to that. And I had to do that, too, with him not being here. You know, he had to miss this one, because if I would have done this while here, he'd been – Oh, hey, you know, you've been all awkward because uh, Big Phil's a humble dude and he doesn't like to, you know, gloat too much on uh, just the successes that he had as a, as a player uh, and as a person, as a leader for this New York Giants football team here in this area, which is just uh, so powerful. So shout out to Big Phil, uh, our man uh, here at Sims Complete. We're actually going to give him a call right now and Luke had a fantastic idea here at IMP Studios that I should FaceTime him. So I'm gonna go to the screen record real quick so we can maybe, you know, put this uh, a part of the show here later. But let's give Big Phil a call and see if he actually answers. I bet you he probably is, I don't even know if he's ever Facetime anyone in his life. And we're gonna find out here at Live, right, if Big Phil can handle FaceTime. All right, so here we go. We're FaceTiming Big Phil. Let's see what he has to say. Hopefully he answers. Hopefully he's not naked, but we'll see. And really, this is just so we can get the damn pick from him. Phil Sims. Wow, you're loud. How are you? you forgot to shave. <laughs> I did forget the shave, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? You're half asleep. You look great. Oh, yeah, I feel great. I'm ready to go. God dang, the game is tomorrow. No, game is (laughs) 5 days. what's going on? Not much. We actually really just wanted to know what's going on with your televisions. Are they working? Did you get them going here? Are you still just uh, flabbergasted by what's going on? Well, we lost you. We're just going to have to call them. Because it seems like FaceTime's just not working the way we want it to. Yeah, I got you now.
1: Well, there you go. See, the connection didn't work because nothing works here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I highly doubt that. You're just not super tech-savvy, and and you're just probably getting a little flustered over there.
1: You know, I am not tech-savvy but when there's a phone charger and you put the or a TV controller charger and you put it in there, what else do you have to know? <laughs> and it doesn't work. The damn TV is on. It's been on all night. Vowed. And I had to sleep through it or what I, for as much as I could, but, um, and I'm still waiting. I've called three times. Oh, don't worry. We'll send somebody up. And um, that was like um, last night and twice a day. And, no answer. But, well,
0: that's it. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, what, else? Hey, w- what movie are you watching when you go to sleep?
1: No, it was just on a TV station. I, I don't even know what uh, it's on.
0: Uh, what do you call it? What are you watching, Access Hollywood there with uh, with the guy Lopez, you know, as he previews new movies that are out right now?
1: Uh, no. Why would you say
0: that? <laughs> well, that that's what they play in, in hotels.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I had it on a station. Oh, you say? Just- it's discovery channel okay and yeah so i had to watch that all night and i couldn't turn the sound down either
0: yeah that, that wasn't a shot on anybody like mario lopez he does that little access hollywood thing you know yeah, where no, I know he does yeah He's okay dead,
1: whatever yeah no
0: i know it wasn't oh uh, you, you thought i was taking a shot at him for no reason no not really no okay. i'm just answering
1: the question that's what i'm here
0: for just answer questions that's right that's right all right big guy yeah. You big timed us. You're not here today, all right? Well, no, you got you got stuff to do over there in Vegas. Um, now we just want to hear just what are what are a few things that you're excited about, and then give us give us your pick for the game. Oh man,
1: I, I might change my opinion, but if I give a pick before the game comes up, it's still a long way away. Yeah, um, you know, lots of opinions about how's the game going to play out. Uh, I don't have the great. I don't look at either team and just go. Wow, I really feel a hundred percent confident about this team winning the game. Right. So, but I think I don't know what the point spread is. That I think it's probably pretty close, right? And that tells you there's when I look at both teams, I can pick out advantages and disadvantages. Right. And, uh, so I think it's a, I think it's a really good matchup. I do, you know, like the first thing, San Francisco is pretty clever on the offensive side, as we know. And Kansas City likes to blitz a lot. I just wrote it down. I said, let me make a list of all this stuff that I've been compiling. And can San Francisco have some ways to, I don't know, what's the better word for it? Take advantage of the blitzes, to trick the blitzes. Uh, you know, so I, I think that's huge. And I think they will. Right. You know, they'll have, and, you know, of course, as you know, and everybody talks about the skill guys on San Francisco's offense, hey, and they can win battles, right. and they can take the average plays and make them great. So that, that's kind of my first thought, because Kansas City got away with every blitz, basically, or almost everything, every blitz, against the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm sure, the, as you know, Matt, San Francisco's worked overtime, I'm sure, getting ready for the blitzes and see if they can come up with some plays to, probably, if it works, what it does even Steve Spagnuolo, the defense coordinator for the Chiefs, can get a little um, apprehensive maybe and sending blitzes as much as he does sometimes in the past.
0: Right. And and just real quick, too, with Steve Wilks, do you expect the 49ers to do a little bit just different stuff on defense, or are they really just going to roll in there with the same thing that they've done the past three weeks and allow a Kansas City Chiefs offense that isn't super explosive I think the ability to be more explosive, if they're a little too vanilla defensively.
1: Well, let me answer it this way. Yes, I think if San Francisco doesn't play a little different style on the defensive side, the Kansas City Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, Patrick Mahomes. Uh oh, somebody's at the door. Oh, okay. <laughs> that that they, they would pick them apart. So I would expect San Francisco to be. I would come in. Sorry. Yes. I see it's the other one in the inside yes
0: <laughs> you're
1: good luck you called me and i somebody came to help that's
0: right that's right so you've been calling yeah. for two straight days and of course they they arrive when you're doing our show <laughs> well that makes
1: it even better now you can make more
0: fun of me so, uh, <laughs> right.
1: uh, my son called me he's missing me i can't believe it um, <laughs> but but you know and i know that um that the San Francisco defense we've watched and studied for a lot of this year. Yeah. Just aggressive enough in our opinion. And if you just sit back against Kansas, he's going to pick you apart and they're, they're going to have all the plays to beat the zones. And so it's, it's going to be interesting. I do think San Francisco though, to answer the question, will be more aggressive against Kansas city this this Sunday.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I hope they at least have a little bit of a different plan to just change up the tempo and the way that they've been playing. Yeah. Um,
1: you can't be afraid on either side of the ball, as you know. And I love this. Yeah. I always fight all this stuff with Bill Parcells that said it on the show probably every week. You just can't be afraid to go down in flames.
0: Right, you know? right.
1: It's just it's you've got to lay it out there. It's like greatness comes from when you walk to the edge of the cliff and you don't fall over it. And you got to push it that way a lot of times. And
0: No, I it's when you, when you choose to jump. That's when it happens, right?
1: <laughs> I want to jump, yeah. Give me 10 seconds, only
0: <laughs> he's having technical difficulties. Now really what it is too is that Big Phil can't watch the equalizer at night. So that's why he can't sleep well. He's, he's listening to Mario Lopez's Access Hollywood as he brings you new movies. So he's getting all hey, flustered he, with that. that yeah, go that, ahead.
1: That is just not true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? You're you're still 4 games behind in our picks.
1: Yeah, this game we got is worth 4 games.
0: It's worth four. So you just want if you win, you just want to tie. What's that? You just want a tie if you if you go by four. You don't want to go for the win?
1: You know, a tie is, you know, all this, like, well, I won't even, get, I won't even say it, but like kissing your sister, you know, or something
0: like that. No. <laughs> what?
1: A tie, a tie is better than a loss.
0: That's yeah. Okay. You all make, right. You want to make this game five points? Yeah, let's make it five okay, points. I'll give you a chance to be the winner here after kicking your ass all season.
1: Well, Okay. That's just so nice of you. Yeah,
0: I appreciate it. Yeah. What else you got, though? What's some other?
1: You you know, the other thing, too, you and I have talked about, and we talked about the show just a little bit, and I just wrote it down, too, that, (laughs) you know, the San Francisco offensive line, how much will Brock Purdy get under center? Right. uh, And and drop back and throw the ball. Yeah. Just pure drop backs. Play actions, I think they'll be fine, because they separate a lot in play action. And, you know, this Kansas City defensive front is big. And Chris Jones is um, loves the big moments and you, as we remember four years ago he knocked down a pass or tipped the pass against Jimmy Garoppolo yeah really kind of the game. so um, I think that's I think it's a really big deal in the game too I
0: really do I think it is I think most importantly too for Chris Jones too really and Wharton as well inside on that defensive line for the Chiefs is making sure that they uh, stop the run consistently against the 49ers because I think yeah. one thing Kyle will do Uh, as opposed to what Todd Munkin did a week ago, is I think they'll be a little bit more patient in the run game. Even if it is just gains of one or two, I think they will be a little bit more patient and have a few more – Game plan specific designed run plays where they hope to get an advantage with an extra blocker or misdirection or some sort of confusion. I wouldn't be shocked either if, you know, if this if I were Kyle, I would be trying to incorporate Debo Samuel into the run game even more so in this game. Uh, because of his physicality and because of what they can do formationally. So, I I think Christian McCaffrey and Debo, I I would have to say between the two of them, at least 30 carries on the ground for them to be successful and to win this game.
1: Oh, well, wow. If you get 30 carries out of those two, then you're going to win the game. That tells you everything's working the right way. But, yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan's been consistent in his whole coaching career as a coordinator and a head coach that he's not going to be deterred and not run the football. So, you know, they might stop it and stop it, but he's still going to do it to keep the rhythm of the offense yeah. and keep the defense, you know, you know, keep the defense in line too where they just don't go, well, hell, well, they're not going to run it. Let's just go after it right? and rush or So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's going to happen for sure. Why during the season? Will we see Debo Samuel line up at halfback at all? Like he did year, you know, remember when two yeah. years ago? Yes. Yeah. Doing those toss plays to the right and cutting them back. And that was against the Cowboys. Um, but yeah, and so maybe in the Super Bowl, we might see that just because now we know it's the final game of the season and we don't have to save these players and worry as much about them as we probably do during the season. That, that'll be really interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, I real quick, this, Big Phil, what's your pick? No,
1: let me, anytime Debo goes in motion, it's man the antennas go up because it's it's it seems like when he goes in motion so many times the ball is going to find its way to him
0: yeah no uh, that's a good point that's a really good point all right well i'm tired of holding this phone player let me get your put your pick
1: well i said all week i'm not going to pick the game until we go on the pregame show um but you know that's just not going to probably work so (laughs) Uh, what's your pick
0: Are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. All right, so I am going with the Kansas City Chiefs over the San Francisco 49ers, and I am going to go 27-21 Chiefs over the Niners.
1: Okay. Well, you once again boxed me in the corner.
0: Well, you you had a choice to go first there, and you Uh deferred. I don't trust you. All right. Well, what do you got? You know, I mean, I went I went essentially where the over-under is set. I believe it's at, like, 47 or 48, something like that. Uh, so, I feel like it will be a little bit of a low-scoring game. Um, the reason why I went with 27 is I feel like it, the, the Chiefs, they'll be kind of driving to seal the game. 49ers will play some good defense. They'll kick that field goal late. 49ers will – We'll have one more chance to go down the field and score. And I just feel like the Chiefs, uh, you know, will will be able to kind of hold up there on the back end for that last drive of the game. So that's me being a little extra detailed there with how it'll play out at the end.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a do or die drive at the end of the game and, you know, it's got to happen, whatever, that limits things. And that would, to me, favor the Chiefs' defense if they're in that situation that they could stop San Francisco. Of course, I'm going to have to take San Francisco, and I'm going to go high. What did you say the over-under is?
0: I think uh, it was about 47 or 48.
1: Okay, I'm going to go 31-27, San Francisco.
0: 31-27, okay. Yeah, yeah. and
1: what, what, who, who, who in this terrible? I read everything, but I don't really pay attention to the point spread. What is the point spread? Do you know? Uh,
0: I don't know. I want to say it might be two and a half. I think so. Yeah, that kind of surprised me when I saw that or whatever. Yeah. I say that the stadium last night, it's really cool
1: inside the stadium, and it was amazing. All the players are on the floor, you know, on the field, and they're being interviewed. It was amazing how many people were
0: just sitting in the stands and watching it. Yeah. And listening to it was, I'm not going to say
1: – I'm going to say it looked like it was about three – well, maybe half full or three-quarters full. I was astounded that people just come to – listen and see and it is it is beautiful I will say that inside and outside it's a pretty cool looking stadium
0: yeah it's part of the spectacle too and it sounded like there was a lot of 49ers fans there at the venue too more so than the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment
1: well San Francisco they do travel very well right here more than ever it, I think we talked about it once how wherever they played there was a huge you know con, huge fan base of theirs that would would follow the team and so a lot of money in San Francisco makes it easier, too. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. All right, who's your pick for the MVP of the game? You pick San Francisco, so you think someone from San Francisco will be the MVP?
1: Christian McCaffrey.
0: Christian McCaffrey for MVP. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do. I do because I think the win, he's going to he's gonna run the ball well. And, of course, we know they're going to find ways to throw short passes down the field, whatever. It could be down the field against an aggressive
1: Kansas City defense. Right. I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. I got to see him last night. Um, of course, I played with Ed McCaffrey, his father, and knew his mother, Lisa. So we had a good laugh there. And I interviewed Kyle Shanahan last night, too.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. How'd yeah. that go? It went really well. He was
1: in great spirits. Uh, we kind of referenced back to the day he came up to the house and him and I threw. Right. And I was, and he, and he said it was the first time I ever threw, where I didn't get a sore arm. <laughs> and it was it was great. He was really funny about it. He said, "I called my dad and told him, Dad, everything you told me is wrong.'"
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, awesome.
1: He, he was in really good spirits, and um, you know, what a career he's had. Really, he as an offensive coordinator, he was a head coach too. So, uh, it, it was really good seeing him. I haven't seen I haven't seen him I, I since the day we threw, and I think that was close to fifteen years ago.
0: Wow. Okay. I know,
1: I would run into him here or there, but I just haven't. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I ever did one of his get. Well, he wouldn't have been a head coach when I was doing games. So. But okay. Hey, look. Have a great show.
0: <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, the show's over. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> oh, you're already done. <laughs> no, no. I'm just kidding. You just, you know, we we've been on the phone for 15 minutes. So I'm impressed.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Usually when you call me. You're asking for money, so this is... Get the a- hell
0: out of here. See, I'm hanging up on you, because that is just not true. <laughs> I know. I know it's not true. Don't
1: get all bent out of shape and
0: whatever. All right, you well, know. you know, while you're gone, and when I'm going to hang up this phone, me and Luke, we're actually going to put a picture of you uh, butt-ass naked here on the screen for everyone at home to look at. So. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> all right, see ya. You the man, big guy. Good day. You the man.
1: You the man, man. See ya.
0: All right, that was uh, Big Phil tuning into the show. Hopefully that was good quality, all right, because that just took up 15 minutes of our show. Uh, I thought it would be really quick, but, I mean, the dude just got excited, and you could just hear his his enthusiasm when talking about ball. He said Christian McCaffrey is going to be his MVP. I'm going to go on the opposite side since I'm picking the Chiefs to win, and I'm going to go with our New Jersey native Isaiah Pacheco with the MVP. So we're both going running back here in this one, and I think uh, rightfully so in this type of football game, it's easy to kind of go for the quarterbacks, right? And listen, if, if, if either quarterback plays decently well and gets the W, most likely they will have that advantage to winning the MVP. Uh, but I think it's always fun too, especially with our MVP conversation we had for the regular season during the year. Of just, it's always good to kind of do and think outside the box a little bit here. So I'm going Isaiah Pacheco. His physical running style, he think I think he has to be a, a tremendous asset to the Chiefs, being able to obviously stay on schedule offensively, avoiding negative plays. He breaks a lot of tackles. I feel like he might have that one or two wow moments of where he's hit behind the line of scrimmage and just kind of goes into his version of beast mode, breaks a tackle or two, rips off another 10, and Christian McCaffrey is absolutely capable of doing that, too. You know, one thing that I think is really important for this football game, too, is just the field position battle. I know that's a corny, cliche thing to say, but just like Super Bowl is... It has to be complementary football. It has to be great defense, offense, and special teams, each phase playing into the other consistently throughout the ball game from start to finish. And the field position battle to me is absolutely huge. That's one thing I think Kansas City did extremely well against the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Even when they were pinned back into some really tough situations, I feel like the Chiefs were able to get the two or three first round, uh, first. Uh, downs that they needed, excuse me, to change field position, to make Lamar Jackson drive the length of the field. And I would say that would be key again, right, for Spagnola and this defense to have a tremendous advantage schematically on how they play Kyle Shanahan and his ability to do things offensively and to be creative. He needs to force Kyle to put multiple uh, play drives together Right, Extended play drives together to get points that would be a huge benefit to I think Spagnola being able to mix up what he does defensively, change the tempo of his calls and formations and what he does to counter what San Francisco is doing, and to really make sure that he's getting you know more looks to confuse Brock Purdy too, so that's a big one for me. The other thing too is right. Who is capable of making more explosive plays in this football game? I think that needle goes heavily in San Francisco's favor. San Francisco has, I think, a little bit more of a creative offense, right, in that regard. I, I say Kyle Shanahan, you know, is over Andy Reid as far as creativity and offensive uh, of, of explosion, right, being able to create explosive plays consistently. I think that Kyle Shanahan has a tremendous advantage in that regard. And I also think he has a tremendous, tremendous advantage because – he has more weapons at his disposal. He's got Christian McCaffrey. He has Deebo Samuel, right? Then he has George Kittle, who I don't necessarily think has to have a huge impact in this game as far as a pass catcher, but he can definitely have a huge impact in this game as a run blocker in this game. And that's really key. Now, the other aspect... Brandon Ayuk, I think, is a huge impact player for this football game. Even if he gets two or three catches, we saw a week ago against the Detroit Lions, those two or three catches are huge for this football team. His ability to stretch the football field vertically down the field for big shots, his ability to do double moves, his ability for the speed aspect, too on the back end going against Trent McDuffie and LeJarrius Need are absolutely huge. So I feel like Brandon Ayuk is another sleeper that can have a really big moment in this game consistently. Now, the other player, too, that seems to always kind of pop up for the San Francisco 49ers is Juwan Jennings. I feel like this guy, like he maybe only has like two catches, but it seems like it's the biggest two catches of the game. So he's another aspect of the San Francisco 49ers offense with his big size physicality. I think he actually matches up pretty well against Trek McDuffie, who's a little bit on the smaller side of the corner position. Legereus Sneed matches up more with him physically with his length and size. But will you use Legereus Sneed to cover a Juwan Jennings? Most likely not. So I feel like it's going to be someone else that's going to be responsible for covering Juwan Jennings. And I feel like that gives another advantage to Kyle Shannon in the way that he calls the game. So when we go through the, the positions here, both on offense and defense, I'm just going to kind of go through the position groups, right, and kind of who has the advantage and where, right? The, the quarterback room, let's start there. I mean, Brock Purdy's awesome. What he's done this year has been absolutely phenomenal. Mr. Irrelevant versus a first-round quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy has struggled the past few weeks. He hasn't quite looked his normal sharp self that we've seen throughout the regular season. You know, playoff football is a little bit different. You see more looks. You see uh, more calculated risks from the defensive coordinators getting after them. The physical nature of the game is a little bit different in playoff football, right? And this will be another matchup again, too, where that'll be big. So I feel like Kansas City collapsing the pocket consistently around Brock, making Brock feel small in the pocket, not allowing him to scramble for yards like he did so well against the Detroit Lions will be a big factor. And then also, too, just tip passes. I feel like Brock has a little bit of a lower stature in the pocket, a little bit of a longer uh, release and and throwing motion. And I wouldn't be surprised if Spagnola and the defense really emphasize, hey, if you can't get home, but if we're around him, get your hands up, tip passes like we saw McNeil tip the pass against Brock in the NFC Championship game uh, to cause that interception. So that'll be a big aspect of it. On the other side, though, right, is just Patrick Mahomes, man, he is just – I mean, he's one of one. I mean, let's face it. You know, Brock has done a great job of playing within the confines of the system, making the right decisions consistently. Can he scramble for yards in this game? Can he make a few off-the-cuff plays to kind of keep them on schedule with the great skill group that they have? And I have no doubt that Kyle Shannon will script it up in a way to make Brock feel comfortable in the game early because that's important. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, I feel like he's really showed us the past – you know this past year specifically, but throughout his young career here so far, that he can win kind of however the Chiefs need him to win. Last week we saw very conservative, a lot of good decisions, protected the football. For a guy that threw the ball 39 times, he never really threw it into traffic or into danger not one time, right? And I think that's super impressive. This week now going against the 49ers, who have been extremely vanilla defensively, wouldn't it be shocked if actually the Kansas City Chiefs generate a few more explosive plays if Steve Wilkes plays a little bit more of that vanilla style in which we have seen. And we'll get a little bit more into that discussion here in a minute. So, but Patrick Mahomes is absolutely, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time right now. If he were to retire today, he absolutely is. I think that. What he's done in his young career thus far really does make him the greatest quarterback of all time already over Tom Brady. I know that's a bold statement to make, but he just he's done more in a less period of time than Tom Brady has. And he's really been the focal point of the football team for his entire, you know, Time here in Kansas City. Whereas Tom Brady, the team was built around him. He eventually became a superstar. Patrick Mahomes was really a superstar from day one and was the heart and soul of the football team from day one. And his growth at the position has been absolutely tremendous. So uh, the quarterback battle here will absolutely be phenomenal. Mr. Irrelevant versus the first-round draft pick, and which guy can really just make the easy plays easy and which guy really does have those two or three moments that you need in every Super Bowl that says, wow, that really was a game-changing-like play there. Both are capable. Both have different aspects to it that they need to uh, take advantage of. Both throw it really well on the run, and both have shown that they're great scramblers. So really great quarterback duel that we have here today, uh, this weekend. Excuse me. The running back competition now. Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Pacheco are two players that just, they literally run just fearless and borderline crazy, and they absolutely break more tackles, I feel like, than the majority of the rest of the league does, right, with just their tenacity, their pad level, their ability to see and cut and be aggressive as they cut. I give a slight advantage schematically to Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan again, with their, their run style, their run design, Isaiah Pacheco and them, they have absolutely done a great job running the football. I just don't think that they have been as creative as far as the way that they get advantages. It's been more so, I feel like, being physical, old school nature, a little bit more straightforward attack. Where Christian McCaffrey, I feel like, and Kyle Shannon, they will be able to use creativity, motion, and shifts, along with Christian's ability to make unbelievable runs after contact, for both of these guys, too, being on a little bit on the smaller side, they sure do break a lot of tackles consistently throughout the game. And this being a one-off game would not be shocked to see both of these guys running even harder than they have been the entire season, knowing that they have an off, a whole offseason to get healthy. So really excited for this matchup. And the, the one thing that we have to really remind ourselves, too, in the running attack, like we just said with Big Phil when he was on, I think Debo Samuel – will be a huge aspect of the running attack for the San Francisco 49ers, which gives them another advantage in that regard, right? Whereas I feel like Isaiah Pacheco, you know, we've seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire make a little bit of an impact here and there, but Isaiah Pacheco really is kind of like a one-man show in that running attack. Whereas San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, with his reverses, end-around type of concepts, but also, too, between the tackles, I think will be a huge aspect. And then the ability to maybe go to Elijah Mitchell, Right in physical uh, situations, right, especially when Elijah Mitchell comes into the football game, uh, I feel like you know the the defense kind of okay. They might not run it. They might not run it as aggressively. He is a big, strong, powerful back, too, so I feel like that three-headed horse backfield potentially can do some real damage, too, and that will really help Brock Purdy throughout the game. If they can run the ball consistently the way that they you know, typically do in these games, I think that'll be a huge aspect of it, right? Get guys like Nick Bolt and Drew Tranquil, get them stuck in the line of scrimmage to allow some of that other passing game stuff to open up uh, behind the scenes. The receiver position, really fun battle, I think, really on both sides. This is another one, too, where giving that advantage to the San Francisco 49ers because of Debo Samuel, Swiss Army knife, can do a little of everything, right? Big Phil even said it before when he goes in motion you have to have you know your 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 ears up it's got to be ready to go right you have to communicate extremely well because when he goes in motion he is a huge aspect to how they are trying to attack the defense right and a lot of the screens a lot of the receiver screens are Prevalent to him because when he catches the football, him versus a corner is always an advantageous look for the San Francisco 49ers because of his physicality and his toughness when he catches the football. Brandon Ayuk, I've been saying it all year, one of the most underrated receivers in the entire NFL His ability, obviously, to stretch the field vertically down the field with his speed, his ability to change direction so smoothly, and and his fearlessness over the middle, too. Him and Brock Purdy have a great rapport with each other. And I feel like Brandon Ayuk is another player here that really gives Spagnola and this Chiefs defense a very difficult time to say, who are we focusing on and where and why? Because of his ability to do multiple things for them, right? Whether he is singled up on the backside by himself or whether he is in bunch formations and he's running those spray posts or any of those vertical breakers or anything shallow crosswise where he can catch it and run, he's a huge aspect of the game to me. We already touched a little bit on, you know, Juwan Jennings and his impact, his physicality too with his size and his frame, I think is going to be absolutely tremendous. Uh, so he is definitely a guy that I think, you know, might not make a huge impact statistically. But we have to be aware of him in key situations, especially with his frame of making those really big 50-50 plays that keep the 49ers on schedule like we saw a week ago. The receiving core for Kansas City has absolutely been performing at a better rate than they have late, but still not a lot of game-breaking ability with their style of play that they have had. Right, And that's pretty interesting considering we're so used to Patrick Mahomes being just super aggressive, throwing the football down the field. We've seen a little bit more dink and dunk style here recently, and Patrick Mahomes has just been absolutely phenomenal with that right? So Rasheed Rice, you know, can he get yards out of the catch? Can he break tackles in this aspect? You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's another huge impact player who was a guy that we were questioning all year. Now he's come up big time here in the past few weeks for the Chiefs making big time catches, 50-50 situations like Juwan Jennings. He has come up clutch in every single one of them. They both have to be huge impacts here, right, in the passing attack for the Kansas City Chiefs. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily have to get big yards, big gains, but They got to get the basic stuff done on a consistent level. And I would say for both Rashi here, you know, and Marcos Valdez Scantling. One thing that the Francisco 49 ers do, I think, as well as anybody on the back end, is that they go for strips. They try to strip the receiver and be physical with that punch aspect technique when they're going for hits. And Rasheed Rice, being a rookie, that would be one thing that I would really, you know, kind of remind him of as the week goes, is that, hey man, the extra yard isn't so important as just protecting the football when contact is coming, because these are veteran-like players here. They have a, a A lot of experience in big games like this they've been there before they will be going after the strip instead of the tackle here in a lot of cases so protect the football that's a big key for me now we go to the tight ends right on the offensive side of the football for ball teams George Kittle Travis Kelsey I mean two of the best tight ends in the league these guys are uh tight end you to the fullest George Kittle absolutely in his prime right He's one of the he is probably the best tight end in the league. And what's cool about George Kittle is he doesn't have to make a huge impact in this football game as just the receiver. He is just as an impactful player in the run game with his blocking. We saw that highlight of him blocking Aiden Hutchinson a week ago against the Detroit Lions. That aspect of George Kittle, I think, will absolutely be huge. You know, can he do those things against Willie Gay, George Karloftis, right, and and consistently be just that animal on the edge – for the San Francisco offensive line so they can get to the perimeter. Can they capture the edge consistently? George Kittle will be a huge aspect of that. So he doesn't even have to catch the damn ball for him to make a huge impact in this game. If San Francisco is running the ball super effectively, if they're winning at the line of scrimmage and dominating physically, George Kittle will be a huge part of that, right? So Really excited to see kind of his play in this game, too, because he's someone that has been, you know, very hungry to get back to this moment. And he is back now. So I can see him just playing with just absolute just fearlessness and abandon the entire game with just uh, the utmost energy all the time. The way that he typically plays in this one, considering how close they were a few years ago. Travis Kelsey, greatest tight end of all time. Right. First ballot Hall of Famer. You know, is he still in his prime? Yeah, maybe not. You know, is he still, uh, is he as fast as he once was, strong as once was? Maybe not. But he is still one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the league. His rapport with his quarterback is just – there is no comparison other than Tom Brady and and, and Gronk. And that really says a lot to just his ability and his rapport with his quarterback. To say that you're even in that same discussion, but maybe even better than those two, that's where I feel like what does Steve Wilkes do? What do the 49ers do defensively? Can you take Travis Kelsey out of the game? Because – If there's two people to stop on Kansas City, it's Isaiah Pacheco and it's Travis Kelsey, obviously outside of their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. But Baltimore Ravens had a tough time doing that. They certainly didn't do it in the first half of that football game, and that's really all that they needed to win this football game. Now, this one, a little bit different. I don't know if Kansas City can hold on the same way they did against Baltimore in that same regard, but... Does Steve Wilkes do something special to slow down Travis Kelsey? Do they jam him at the line more consistently? Do they try to get hands on him more consistently? You know, that would be the big thing for me too. Free releases like they did against Baltimore, that's a a recipe for disaster, I feel like. You have to be physical with Travis Kelsey. You have to wear him out physically throughout the football game so he is not the one making that big catch late that beats you. So that's a huge one for me. Now just to kind of talk about the – offensive-defensive matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Spagnola, And I think this is a, a really fun matchup. One thing for Spags, right, is that he is going to go uh, and, and look at um, just the Lions, right? The Lions film, what they did to San Francisco, how they were able to confuse Brock consistently, and, and really... Try to piggyback off of some of those things that they did extremely well with their combo coverages, with the different looks that they did, and, and mix it into his own. Because the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, Spagnola, he has more at his disposal he has better players on his side of the football than the Lions did on their defense, right? You know, he has superheroes on every tier of that defense. He's got some of the best corners in the league. He has a really good safety. He's got great linebacker play, and he's got really solid defensive play with Chris Jones, who Big Phil even said, too, seems to come up big in these huge moments, right? So Spagnola, can he do enough schematically to confuse Brock Purdy, to switch up the looks, to keep Kyle Shanahan off a little bit, keep him out of rhythm, right, and really do a good job, too, of just switching up looks while still staying simple with what they do, right? Because I think the big thing is Kyle Shanahan will be extremely patient with the run. If he's patient with the run and if he's physical with the run game, even if it's two or three yards early, eventually those yards will get bigger and bigger with the schemed-up plays that they have with the ability to, to I think, just be creative and the running aspect of it, too, with that two-headed or three-headed horse backfield with Samuel McCaffrey, right, and potentially Elijah Mitchell. So, you know, Spagnola, he's got a huge task ahead of him, to stopping the San Francisco 49er run game consistently. Kyle Shanahan, have a few special plays, right? A few special plays, almost trick plays, if you want to say those, where you're getting the Chiefs out of their normal rhythm of the calls, right? And I feel like if you just kind of rattle their case just a little bit, this will be huge for slowing them up and being overly aggressive and potentially overpowering you in certain passing situations. So do you have a few Kyle Shanahan get-out-of-jail-free cards where it's double pass, right, the reverses, the end of rounds, right? any of those things where there's some sort of deception and trickery involved to slow down the Chiefs' defense. The other thing, right, can the Chiefs and Spagnola can they switch up the looks consistently while still being able to communicate effectively? Kyle Shanahan, that offense, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions, a lot of different looks, right? Can you be... Actively involved on the defensive side of the football for the Chiefs and be able to communicate all the moving parts while still being slightly aggressive at times when you need to, still getting the favorable matchups in certain positions that you want to have. So that's where I find it really interesting, too. You know, do they run a lot of man coverage on the back end against the 49ers? That's, that's difficult because in the man, that kind of plays into the 49ers run game a little bit at times. It plays into some of their pick plays that they've run, right? It also helps Brock Purdy dissect what they're doing defensively and just get the football out of hand more quickly, knowing that it's man-to-man. I got this matchup versus this guy. I'm taking it, right? So can they mix up that man-to-man and zone coverage and those combo coverages like we saw the Lions do while still being aggressive and communicating well with all the shifts and motions, that will be a huge task. Because the one thing that I think is really in the favor of the offense in so many times in the modern-day history, too, and especially in Kyle Shanahan's opinion here, Kyle Shanahan can line up in or send out 21 personnel, which is like a running back, a fullback, a tight end, and two receivers out there. And you can think that you're going out there to stop the run, right, because they're running the ball effectively. They line up in a run formation, they shift to an empty formation, which allows Brock to see the field more clearly. We've seen how effective he is in college now in the pros too when it's an empty formation that he makes quick decisions. So can you have the ability to call a defense that stops the run versus 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, two receivers? but then still have a call that can make the adjustments if they shift out into an empty formation and are more pass-aggressive with those type of looks. That's a tall task. So he has to call the defense to the personnel and also the multiple formations in which the personnel can obviously line up in. With guys like Kyle Juszczyk, wouldn't be shocked if he goes out there into an empty set and catches a slam for two or three yards on a big third-down conversion. You know, So these are the things that the Chiefs' defense really have to focus on and really be on top of. And Spagnola has to be absolutely on top of those things and making sure that he is doing a good job of of shaking up Brock Purdy and the offense consistently, stopping the run first making them a little bit more pass-happy and aggressive, I think kind of plays into the hands of the Chiefs' defense. So that is an an awesome matchup to keep our eyes on as we go. Now to emphasize the defensive side, right, and the defensive players in this game and just where those matchups lie. You know, this is going to be another fun one, and I'm running out of time here because I didn't think Big Phil was going to be so damn long when I called him. But the D-line play. Chase Young, you got to come up big in this one, man. We know Nick Bosa is awesome. We think that the tackles are the weakness of the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. They've been playing better lately. They played better against the Baltimore Ravens. They did a good job protecting against the Ravens until the Ravens started to get a little bit more aggressive defensively. So Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, they have to play huge. Even Javon Hargrave has to have a big one. I give a slight edge though to the Chiefs defensive line in this one. George Carl Loftus, you know, Willie Gay, even though he's to outside linebacker. I still play him as more of that, you know, edge defender here. Chris Jones, of course, and then we already mentioned Wharton, how he has to be an impact in stopping the run, but I give a slight edge to the Chief de- defensive line in this one, making a big impact. They have to be great against the run, so even Willie, Willie Gay, right, George Karl Loftus, you know, Dana, those guys, they have to do great against guys like Kittle on the edge and winning those battles and not giving up the edge consistently in those matchups. The linebacker battle, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, you know, have been playing absolutely phenomenal. But we'd be crazy to say that the best linebackers here in this game, right, are not Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw from what they've done. And they've done a great job of kind of cleaning up the, 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 the deficiencies of the back end of the San Francisco 49ers defense and also to where the front end of their defensive line has kind of, you know, lacked in production so much. These guys have done a great job of cleaning it up. So Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they're going to have huge games and a huge impact due to the physicality in which the 49ers play. Then the secondary has to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Legereus Need, you know, Watson doing a great job when he comes in at cornerback and then Trent McDuffie playing that nickel position. Really curious to see how Spanola uses Legereus Sneed and McDuffie in this situation and who he values to match up who with and man coverage looks. Um, But there's no doubt that one of the weaknesses of San Francisco defense is the back end of their corners and their safety. Deshaun Gibson and um, Logan Ryan have been playing good, a little bit older players. But, you know, that is one of the keys, I think, to this game is the Kansas City Chiefs can exploit that secondary. If they can protect well enough, if they can run the ball decently, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs, who have not have been a, an explosive offense, will be able to take advantage of the San Francisco 49ers secondary tremendously if they play the same vanilla style. Justin Reed I think has been playing absolutely phenomenal near the line of scrimmage and also on the back end too. I see him being as a really big moving part right for this Chiefs defense and making an impact. Mike Edwards to me, similar to, to Sean Gibson right, and Logan Ryan just kind of the weakness of the secondary at times. Doesn't have great speed. If you get a guy like Brandon Ayuk on Mike Edwards, I would say to Brock Purdy in our quarterback room, let it fly. I trust our guy over their guy down the field all the time in that matchup. So that'll be a big one. And now to Andy Reid versus Steve Wilkes, right? Or Andy Reid, Matt Nagy versus Steve Wilkes. But we all know by now that it is Andy Reid, right? Uh, Just from what he's done can Andy Reid and them find ways or find another way again to win one more game, right? The whole year they have found multiple ways, whether it's been super aggressive running the football, short dink and done passing game, screen game, whatever it is. They have found multiple ways to win the game and to be creative for whatever that game calls upon. And that's the key for this game. Andy Reid identifying it, Andy Reid then just leaning into it and finding different ways to make that happen. So, you know, just – what is their strategy? Will their strategy be similar to Baltimore? Where can we stay on the field on a long period of time? Can we have long sustaining drives? Can we take a lot of time off the clock to leave, you know, less time right for the San Francisco 49ers who are a quick strike football team? So if you can get them in a few 3 and outs and then eat up a lot of clock, you're really forcing them to be potentially one-dimensional, right? The other aspect on the other side of the football is Steve Wilks. They've been super simple the entire season. They've been super simple in the uh, postseason. Now the key is it almost plays into your advantage. You haven't done anything all year. It's tough for the Kansas City Chiefs to game plan for something that they haven't seen you do. It's tough for them to kind of think of what your counters will be because you have been so vanilla all year. So Steve Wilks has the freedom here. To be more aggressive, to take more risks, to rush the passer more with five or with six, and to get after Patrick Mahomes, to crowd the line of scrimmage if they think that would be advantageous, to make the Kansas City Chiefs one-dimensional, one-dimensional, and to get them out of being run-heavy. So that will be huge. So Steve Wilkes and the fact that they've been so vanilla and made it to the Super Bowl, I actually think plays into their favor tremendously in this one, right? So that'll be huge. And then force, you know, just. Negative plays. That's the key for me, right? The Chiefs never had any negative plays against the Baltimore Ravens, which is pretty crazy considering how great that defense is. Can you force the Chiefs into negative plays in this football game? Can you force Patrick Mahomes to make a mistake in this football game? That's another key. Obviously, the turnover battle is always a huge thing. So, but Andy Reid, you know, he can he dial up the big plays. He's got Mahomes, he's got Kelsey you know can he get Isaiah Pacheco going can they do a few of those little funky plays that they do that we know Andy Reid always does right to kind of keep you know them on schedule and keep them on pace so those are a few of the takeaways there big phil has the San Francisco 49ers i want to say what do you say 31 to 20, 31 27 and i got the chiefs 27 21 so we both got the chiefs scoring 27 points this is going to be a great super bowl Love the aspect of this. I think both teams absolutely can win. It'll be really big just kind of how you start and how you finish this football game. Wouldn't be shocked if both teams are a little bit tight in the beginning, but the first quarter, right before a half, right, to start that third quarter, and then obviously the last five minutes of this game are really just kind of, I think, where Super Bowls are won and lost, right? And uh, this is going to be an awesome battle between coaches. Now, Andy Reid's going against Kyle Shanahan. In the past, there have been three other matchups where uh, they have, uh, coaches have gone up against each other for the second time. The coach that won the first time, in this case, Andy Reid, they always won the second matchup. So this would be the first time in the, in the history of the NFL where Kyle Shanahan will beat the coach that beat him the first time in the Super Bowl. So we'll see if Andy Reid can go 2-0, and right, or if Kyle Shanahan breaks that trend of finally defeating the coach that beat him the first time in the Super Bowl. So that'll be an interesting one to look at. Um, great matchup, though. Just want to give a shout-out again here to Believe Network, IMP Studios, for always taking care of us. Big Phil, thanks for showing up. No, thanks for answering the phone call, Big Phil, and taking up more time than I actually anticipated, but that shouldn't have shocked me. I should have been prepared for that. Uh, Thank you to Believe. Thank you to IMP Studios. Enjoy the game. We'll have the Super Bowl review next week. Big Phil will be tired, but we'll still drag him in here to do it. We'll review the Super Bowl, and then we'll get into offseason draft stuff. So uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy this great American holiday that we have. I am Matt Sims. This is Sims Complete, and we will see you, and you'll hear us next week. Thank you for tuning in. Toodles.